Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is the Chicago City Cast with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers. That's right, it is the Chicago City Cast presented by Bed Rivers. I'm Danny Burke, your host. As always, can get in touch with me on the tweets at Danny Burke 5, my show Rush Hour. Be sure to follow along throughout the week, Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time, live out of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook. You can get a hold of it on the Marquee Sports Network, also Fubo. TV, Sling TV, the Xfinity app, YouTube TV, iHeartRadio, and VEASAN.com, and the VEASAN app, that's V-S-I-N.com. Wow. I mean, what a game in so many bad ways. Not in an incredible wow, what a game, but I am scratching my head at the product that I just sat down and watched for several hours last night when I could have been doing things with my loved ones. They invited me. To go do Christmas festivities, I said, what are you, crazy? The Bears are playing. Got to watch the game. In retrospect, well, I probably should have went with them. Could have saved a couple years of my life and a couple hairs on my head. My goodness, what a stressful, infuriating, aggravating game from so many angles. However, I'm in a little bit of a peace of mind here. Because everything that went crazy, it's like you expected it to some sort of an extent correct? At least with the things that the Bears could somewhat control. Yes, there was a a bunch of nonsense, and and we'll get into that. Don't worry. But I'm saying in the sense of, like, the referees, and you can be absolutely livid with them, and you would not be wrong. But I'm saying, like, the night after, or the day after, like, right now, I'm, I'm recording this on Tuesday, naturally, and I'm not 
fired up as much about some other losses because I know deep down if this is any normal Bears team and they still have, you know what, somewhat of a similar offense and the defense played as well, I think they could win that game. A lot of random crap that was just absolute BS occurred, and it screwed them. Now, a lot of it was to the fault of Chicago. There is no denying that. But a lot of it was out of their control. This game was... This game set back the National Football League for years. For years. Literally. I I genuinely think it did. Yeah, it could be in a hyperbole. You could say that. Okay, that's your opinion. I genuinely think it did. That product was god-awful. And that was on prime time. Which is great and terrible. Terrible because if you're trying to showcase this league to people who haven't seen it, you screwed up NFL with your crap officiating time and time again and flexing these two teams to prime time, whatever the deal was. That's why it was terrible. Why it was great is because of how poor this officiating was, was showcased to the world. And everybody, again, unanimously in a Bears game, a.k.a. another spot was that Steelers game, not a.k.a., but the other spot was the Steelers game. I thought that couldn't be topped in terms of the worst officiating game this season. But it happened in that Cowboys game on Thanksgiving, and it happened in this game. My God, have you ever seen more of a consensus agreement of how poor this officiating was? Genuinely, the worst officiated game I have ever seen in my life. Right next to it might be that Ohio State-Clemson playoff game. Ohio State got shafted on that one. I feel like that's never talked about as much as it should be. In terms of college, that was the worst officiating game I've ever seen. In terms of the NFL, last night damn near was at the top. Because, And you know why it was? Because every single play, every big play the Bears had defensively, or even a run with Montgomery, you were holding your breath, waiting for that flag to be thrown. You typically do that on big plays or good plays regardless because the NFL has literally conditioned us to not get excited and literally conditioned their own players to not get excited because of those damn taunting rules. How just unaware and removed from society, from a normal person, can these owners, league officials, everything involved with this league be? It is absolutely how bad this product has gotten and it starts with the zebras who are just absolute clowns so bad you are ruining this sport and the sad thing is is people were pointing out no it's not going to change because we're still going to watch it we're still going to bet on it we're still going to play fantasy Because we know how fun it can be. But you are blocking that from consistently happening in every single game when you don't let these players who bust their ass every single day go through training camp, go through summers, put their body out on the line, and they can't even celebrate. They can't even make a tackle on a running back by trying to go through a lineman. Are you kidding me? They can't even punch the ball out when it's a triple team on a receiver because you think that it's unnecessary roughness. Get the hell out of here with that crap. This league is being ruined every single year. That was the worst officiated game of the season. And there's going to be a worse one. That's the thing. It gets worse and worse. It's impressive. It's insane. It is so dumb. Goodell, figure it out. Do something logical for once in your tenure. You guys are so unaware of what this product needs to be, of what the players want, of what the fans want. It is embarrassing. It is pathetic. 
you know, we make, you know, people in the States here, majority of people, you know, you'll make fun of soccer, you know, guys flopping and just being a boring sport. I would, if, if some soccer fan from any foreign country watched that game last night and just ridiculed the NFL, you would have no retort. You would have no reason to go back at them. How could you? That was the worst game I've seen in quite some time, and I think that could be unanimously agreed on. And it's not all because of the officials, although a majority of it was. A lot of it also is because of the Bears and the Vikings just being bad, the coaches being awful, the talent being bad. And we sat there and actually watched it. There are some positives to be taken away. Justin Fields had terrible moments. But at the same time, he also had bright flashes again. It, you know, now I am getting a little bit more ticked with the people who are just ready to completely throw out Justin Fields. He finally had his best passing game, 26 of 39, 285 in the air, one touchdown, no interceptions. We cruised over his completions, 17 and a half, nailed that prop. Attempts was 29 and a half. He went over that with 39. Passing yards cruised over it. And I know that, yeah, you can look at those stats and be like, oh, not bad. But what was terrible is him with the lack of ball security, him and Kyler are at the top of the list now. That needs to be fixed. That is bad. Killed momentum on that drive. Taking sacks. Killed momentum on multiple drives. And it just seems like it is uncanny how often it happens when Justin Fields and the Bears are in their opponent's territory and he takes a huge sack. He, and it's, yes, it's the learning curves. It's just so many issues with the play calling, with the offensive line, miscommunication, everything. But still, it is okay to blame Fields. He's the golden child for Chicago. There's going to be road bumps. But stuff like that cannot happen. We can be pissed at it. We can be irritated, aggravated, whatever you want to call it. But just know deep down what this kid is dealing with and what the expectations truly should be for this team. So temper it a little bit, right? I'm not saying it's excusable because it's not. That was just plain bad, and I'm sure he'll be the first to tell you on those sacks were just awful. But the guy is not getting calls on him. The guy is not getting protection. He is not getting good play calling to open his opportunities up, and he is not getting receivers who help him out. Drop pass after drop pass. He missed a couple throws, sure. The Montgomery one on fourth down, that was unfortunate. The end zone one to Mooney, that was unfortunate. Not the one that Mooney caught, but the one that went over his head. I think it was Mooney that he missed it on it. The end zone one, that was a pretty damn good throw and catch. That's just the NFL, and that was your play on, what, fourth down? And it's a shame it didn't happen, but it was a pretty damn good play. Inches. It's a game of inches, and they just missed it. But there were bright spots to be had with Fields. Montgomery got off to a great start. Man, did we barely get over his prop. 59 and a half, he got 60. Cole Komet, six catches, 71 yards. Everybody's pissed because Jesper Horstead, which rightfully so, has found himself in the end zone more than Cole Komet has. Look, Cole Komet not getting a touchdown, yes, it absolutely stinks. But he still was the leading receiver last night, six catches, 71 yards. He had a three drops that he maybe could have had. But everybody's still selling out Komet. Get the hell out of here. Get the hell out of here. He's a young kid. He's doing a lot of blocking that's been solid. And when he gets the ball, for the most part, he makes the most of it. So shut up with the Cole Komet slander. I don't want to hear it. 
Mooney, five catches, seven targets. He goes over three and a half receptions, and his receiving yards prop gets 63 of them. Mooney had a pretty solid game. Demir Bird dropped an open pass or two. Well, actually, six targets, five receptions, 62 yards. Yeah, he dropped an easy one. What are you going to do? Montgomery, five catches, six targets, 23 yards. Herbert, three catches, four targets, 34 yards. There was just a few very notable drops that changed the course of this game to some extent. Minnesota, Justin Jefferson only had four catches. Osborne only had three catches. Combined, they had 68 yards. Hell of a performance by this backup secondary. Incredible. The trophy of the game goes to this defense. Akeem Hicks, you're the man. You represent this team better than anyone. Robert Quinn, hell of a bounce back season. Very humble. You're a dog. You're great. You were worth the signing. Keep it the hell up. And especially with your post-game press conference saying that the NFL needs to check their officials instead of the head coach. Well, we probably don't agree with the head coach part. But with the officiating, hell yeah, and he'll get fined for that. But someone had to say it. It was awful. The worst. Actually so bad. But how about Graham Jr. playing great? Ogletree had a really nice game. Roquan getting snubbed in the Pro Bowl. Uh, We're still going to be incredibly salty about that, but he still had a fairly solid game. But yeah, I there really wasn't anything too bad defensively that affected this game in the sense where the Bears' offense couldn't have still won. Yeah, penalties here and there, but a couple of them, the big ones, they got shafted on. The unnecessary roughness and going low at the lineman when he was just trying to... Ta- that was so infuriating, too, on that 3rd and 17 because I literally am looking at this and I'm and you're thinking, you're like, oh, this is great. I mean, they're not going to get a first down. But the Bears fan in me and watching this stupid sport, the NFL, this stupid league, rather, knowing that there's a chance that, hey, you throw it up, you get a pass interference first down. You saw that in the Raiders and Browns. They've seen that in so many other games. You can't be sure. And lo and behold, he starts making a cut to the right, and you're thinking, oh, maybe he's going to get a face mask or something. There's just, it felt too good to be true for the Bears to get this stop. And then he did, and you're like, wow, hell of a tackle. And then the flag comes out, and you're like, what could that possibly be on? What could it be on? And somehow they just managed to find a way to keep the drive alive, not only that time, but another couple of times. And you know what, Gibson shoving the Vikings guy in the face was the stupidest thing ever. But at that point, I was numb to it because, of course, they were going to score on that drive. If the refs have anything to say about it, which they entirely did, it was inevitable that the Vikings were going to get six. That was the Zebra's mission on that drive. You can't even call me biased on that because the whole world who was watching knew that, and they agreed how crappy that drive was in terms of officiating, how crap that call was earlier on the unnecessary roughness on the third and long. Just absolute BS. And of course, the NFL fishing Twitter account will never be held accountable, right? None of these refs will ever be held accountable. They just have to agree with them and stick by their guys because they're perfect. No call is ever wrong for the officials. No, never. They're, they're great. They're fantastic. Got to protect your guys. How about you protect the players out there who are making the plays so they don't get screwed for your ticky-tack calls, which ends up maybe screwing their career, their season, whatever it is. You are ruining everything by trying to control every little detail. It is disgusting. So bad. It's so bad that I can't even give the refs the beef. That's obvious. I have more than beef with them. We have disdain for the officials. 
I think to myself, who the hell would want to be an official in the NFL, let alone any sport, but specifically the NFL? Sometimes they have to make those calls because of the dumb rules. I get it. Other times, it is completely their fault. A lot of times, that's the reason. Like taunting, not their fault. That's just a stupid rule instilled by the NFL. The unnecessary roughness, bad call. The dive at the lineman's feet, bad call. Bad rule, bad call. He wasn't even diving at the lineman's feet. He was trying to get past him. Pathetic. But there were bright spots in this game. There were. It's just hard to hard to be happy about that based on what you saw. And, you know, this is a game where the garbage time touchdown, 17-9, making it look a little better than it was. Vikings somehow keep up the streak of just a one-possession game. But you lose a game where Kirk Cousins goes 12-24 against a backup secondary. 87 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. You had a blocked punt you couldn't take advantage of. You had an interception you couldn't take advantage of. You had a red zone trip where Montgomery fumbled. You had Fields fumble on the other side. You had him take a sack. Oh, my goodness. That was arguably the worst execution by an offense I've seen in the NFL. And somehow we still managed to go over a majority of our props except for the Fields rushing one, which I will go on a rant in in momentarily, and the Delvin Cook receiving one. But wow, what is your takeaway going from this game? Because there's so much. It's one, the officiating was awful. Two, Fields still has a long way to go, but the potential is there, and there is no way that you should ever doubt him still right now. Lack of coaching, lack of talent around him is what is killing him and hurting him and preventing him from being himself. Fields, yes, makes mistakes. Should he get a lot of blame? Absolutely not. That's another takeaway. Another one, shout out the defense. They stepped the hell up and played a great game and got shafted on a few calls and they still managed to hold this dynamic offense to just 17 points. Hell of a game from the defense. Hell of a game from the guy stepping up. Another shout-out, Damian Williams with the block punt. Who the hell even knew he was blocking punts out there? But also on special teams, after Grant went out well, he had a fumble by Bird, right? Isn't that who fumbled the punt? That was bad. He just knew he was going to drop that by the way he was looking at it. Another way to lose momentum and screw your defense, who had to step up again, and another reason why they played a good game. So special teams, eh. Grant ran backwards. Reminiscent of Devin Hester. And I say that in the sense of, yeah, Devin Hester, greatest returner of all time. But when he was struggling, what he would do was just try to create so much space and end up running backwards and losing yards. We don't need that. Just get the seven yards. It's okay. Not every play has to be a highlight reel. Another couple takeaways that we didn't discuss. Jenkins shoving the Minnesota defender and his overall penalties. First run of the game. Screwed the Montgomery run. That was annoying. He had gotten another one that was also annoying. But remember, it's a learning process. You can't really be mad at him for sticking up for Justin Fields. That's what you need your lineman to do. He also did it appropriately in the sense to where he shoved him. And then the guy hit him in the face back, which should have been a a penalty. But no, then obviously Jenkins is going to retaliate. And then he got the penalty. So... Shout out to Jenkins for sticking up for his guy. And Fields even said that. He said, we need more of that. You know why? Because there is no damn life in that offensive line. And if Eddie has the audacity to go up there and shove him, 
You know what? He's got more heart and more fight and just that little speck of a moment than you have had this whole damn season. At least someone's trying to protect their quarterback. You know what? That's the future of Fetty. You're not the future of this team. You are not. Tevin Jenkins is. And Justin Fields is. And he's sticking up for him and everyone knows that. So you know what? Jenkins is going to be fine. The fan base is around him, and that's all that matters. And I know the coaching staff at the end of the day, yeah, that's a dumb play. You don't want it. But you know what? At this point in the season, who the hell cares? Show some life. Show some damn life. But aside from that, we got to talk about Nagy. Matt Nagy actually did some of the best things he did this whole season. Sticking up for his guys and absolutely letting the refs hear it. If he got called out of this game, not like not even being facetious, like I genuinely would have been happy for that. Not in the sense that, oh, Nagy's off the sideline. No. That would have been the right moment to absolutely freak out and just let them hear it because of how loony those play calls were. I mean, uh, penalties were. I was actually, when Nagy threw that challenge on where the Kirk Cousins got the first down, I actually thought he was way over. I was like, why are you challenging it? But no, good good challenge. Was the play calling bad from time to time? Yes, it was. That's fine to admit and fine to say. But again, I'm not freaking out too much about that because what'd you expect, right? It's Matt Nagy. The, 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 the thing is that's really bad is how disorganized this team was. And what was also really bad is going for it on that fourth and short, which you had Mooney in the backfield, and it was supposed to be a bootleg with feet. Like, you got to call a timeout there. That was probably the worst of the Matt Nagy play-calling experience last night. Calling screens on second and long, third and long, whatever. You know, other teams do that. They just run it better. Running with, with, with David Montgomery selfishly because of his prop I wasn't mad and also he was gaining a lot of positive yards remember the Vikings are allowing 4.7 yards per carry just the second most in the NFL I didn't hate it but you should have let field sling it a little bit more consistently for sure because when you saw him start doing it in the third fourth quarter you're like wow this is what we signed up for when we drafted Justin Fields and again he got screwed on a lot of drops but you gotta let the kid fly like in the other guys. He's a peacock. You got to let him fly. Come on, baby. Adam Hogue tweet now. The Bears had four or five drives going to the Vikings territory. Two red zone trips and one drive that started at the uh, 39 after a takeaway. The Vikings 39. Three points. Yikes. That is an indictment along with that fourth down play of the Matt Nagy era. It is. But at least he's no Urban Meyer. Matt Nagy sticks up for his guys, and he's a good guy at the end of the day. And he's trying hard out there. You know he is. That was the best effort I've seen out of Nagy, honestly. As bad as the offense was, it seems crazy, but the fact of how much he defended his guys, and and they actually rallied around him because of that. There were moments where Nagy actually looked competent and solid, so I'm not even that salty at Nagy. Yeah, the play calling was terrible in a bunch of spots. I get it. Don't get me wrong. There was. He was still really bad, and the offense was atrocious. But the fumbles, how is that Nagy's fault? The dropped punt, how is that Nagy's fault? The penalties, that screwed the Bears. That's not Nagy's fault. 
The team not being disciplined or ready on certain plays, that's Nagy's fault. Not letting Fields sling it earlier, that's Nagy's fault. Not having good play calls, that is Nagy's fault. There's a bunch on one side and the other. But this game was an overwhelmingly disappointment on Matt Nagy as much as other ones, in my opinion. The refs are at the top. Justin Fields taking bad sacks at the top. Turnovers. I just, inability to execute is just so bad. And I know a lot of that falls on Nagy. So don't get me wrong. I'm not giving Nagy a pass or saying he should stay or anything like that. I think the world and the Bears fans would be happier plays if he was fired. Not the world, but Bears fans would be. He showed fight last night and the guys rallied around him. That is a game the Bears should have won, though. 100%. Akeem Hicks played his ass off, and he had a lot of emotional things to say after the game, saying he just, what, he just wanted to put out for the Bears fans one last time. Just saying, you know, listening to his post-game presser that the, the Bears from the past, giving him props, that's like the best part of it for him. And it stinks you can't send some guys out on a win like that in a big game. He was absolutely on one. And will he be back next year? No, he's probably not going to be. And he knows that. We all pretty much know that. But it's kind of tough to see a guy like that who gives everything just not get help from the other side of the ball. He's saying, I was pointing to the people that cheer for me, that love me, that love how I play the game. I was letting them know that I appreciate them. They're always yelling my name. I wanted to show some love back. He was awesome last night. He said, I'd do anything for him, thinking that this could be his last time. He said, I just want to play football, good football, and say goodbye to Chicago in the right way. Akeem Hicks is the heart and soul of this defense and arguably this team. He deserves better. Roquan, or not Roquan, well, yeah, Roquan Smith deserves better. Robert Quinn deserves better. That offense was terrible, man. That's been the problem all year, the inability to execute. But where? What? what's your list like, right? I mean, where are you most aggravated? It starts with the refs for me. It probably goes with the mistakes of Justin Fields next. I guess you could kind of group in the mistakes of Fields slash turnovers. Special teams had some good moments, had some bad. Effetti. Matt Nag. I mean, it's all there, but I still just can't get out of my mind how bad the refs were. So bad. So bad. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back on the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers, let's do Where's the Beef and Bear With Me. Can there be some positivity for this Bears team going down the road? And we got to give a shout-out to the Bulls coming through with another dub. And we'll take a look at the early opening lines for the Bears' next opponent, the Seattle Seahawks, up on the West Coast. Where did that spread open? Where did that total open? And has it moved yet? We'll let you know. Stick around. Bet River Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Bet on same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. 1-800-426-2537. 
Still trying to process how the Bears dropped that game against the Vikings here on the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome back in. I am Danny Burke, your host. Kirk Cousins only passing for 87 yards against a backup defense with a terrible interception. Dalvin Cook, 89 yards on the ground. Great game. Jefferson only had four catches on 10 targets, 47 yards, and no Adam Thielen. And you still give up 17 points. Wow. And I'm not saying you give up in terms of blaming the defense. It's more so that you only got nine points. And really, you only got three because the garbage time doesn't do squat. Complete sweat at the end if you were taking the points, though, and you forgot that they don't kick the extra point. Ugh. It's just, did I, at the end of the day, expect the Bears to win? No. Did I think there was a chance for them to win? Absolutely, because it's the Minnesota Vikings, and the Bears have success against them. And they should have won that game. Zebras prevented it. The Bears' lack of discipline prevented it. The Bears' lack of offensive execution and success prevented it. Matt Nagy's bad play calling from time to time prevented it. Bad receiver play, drops, misses, sacks taken, turnovers prevented it. It's just one of those things where it's like you can be so frustrated for how many things went wrong, but then if you also take a step back and consider, well, if just some of those things went right, this team could have played pretty well. So I'm not letting this ruin my week. I didn't really let it ruin my night. The refs ruined my night because they were just driving me nuts. And the prop change with Fields, which again we'll get into in a second. But I still feel okay with this team. You know why? Because Brian Greasy on the Monday Night Broadcast, I was tweeting jokingly, like subtly calling out this franchise and that they need change and the Bears fans deserve better. Not once, but twice. Hey, Riddick was in there. Hopefully vying for that GM spot. That would be amazing. He gets it. Brian Pace does not get it. The McCaskies does not get it. Do not get it. Ted Phillips does not get it. Matt Nagy, unfortunately, buddy, you don't get it. There is going to be change. But is it going to be the right change? That's the biggest question. You can move Ryan Pace. You can move Matt Nagy. But it doesn't mean crap if you can't fill him in with the right guys. Look at the Bulls. They did it, and they're playing very well. Took a while, but they did it. The Bears need the right GM. And let him make the right coaching decision. I'm advocating for Brian Lefwitz, Byron Lefwich. But if there's someone else, I'm not going to disagree with it if we get the right GM and I trust him. Someone who can develop fields. Someone who can call the right plays. Sean decided a great game defensively. Maybe there's hope there for sure. Get him more talent in the secondary. But Brian Greasy calling him out was probably one of the best things. And the fact that this was on primetime and how bad that offense played for hiring an offensive coach... Something's going to get shaken up. And they messed up by not firing Nagy when those reports came out. They messed up for so many things. They're not going to fire him now, but who is going to judge you if you do? I just don't get why there's that loyalty factor so much. You're not making the playoffs. You never were. What are you trying to preserve here? Do you and Nagy have, like, some kind of business going on on the side to where if you fire him early, he's not letting you in on this investment? Like, what? what? Get rid of him. Get rid of Pace. What? What is wrong with you guys? 
Whatever. You know the answer to that. All right. Let's go to some of our segments here. Let's do Where's the Beef? And bear with me. We can't do the refs for Where's the Beef. That's too obvious and expected. Worst officiated game this season. Maybe in my life in the NFL. My beef is with the rushing yards prop for Justin Fields losing on a freaking technicality. The dude got a big run that needed a few more, and he got it. 42 rushing yards. I'm celebrating. I am happy. Wait, what? All of a sudden, stat correction. Now he has seven carries for 35 yards instead of, I think it was like seven for 42 or eight for four, whatever it was. And everybody on Twitter is going nuts. Rightfully so. And it's because on that play where it was a faulty snap and he knelt down, he kneeled down, knelt down, whatever it is, <laughs> and then had the unnecessary roughness when he got tackled. They counted that as a rush for minus seven yards. Screw you, stat keepers. You screwed all of us. That went from being a great night to an okay night. Would have hit every prop we talked about except for one. The Delvin Cook one, but then we went three and two. That was lame as hell, and that is my beef. That the fe- that wasn't a rush. I mean, he knelt or he kneeled. I don't know why. He put his knee on the ground, so technically, I guess that's a kneel. But that stunk. It should have been on the penalty, but I guess because he kneeled, it was after the clock. That just grinded the hell out of my gears. That we lost money on that. A lot of people did. And there's people like, well, I got the early number at 34 and a half. Oh, get out of here. That was up for like 10 minutes maybe. That stunk. That's my beef with the statisticians in this game. Take a hike. Bear with me. Where's the positivity? Fields clearly has potential when he gets time and protection and the right play call and receivers who can actually catch. Do not discount Justin Fields because of the Ohio State narrative because of the Bears can't draft a quarterback narrative you can be mad at Fields for fumbling the ball you can be mad at Fields for taking atrocious sacks you can't be mad at Fields for really more than that because of his inept offensive line with Jenkins who clearly isn't ready but at least is defending him a Fetty who doesn't know what the hell he's doing the rest of the offensive line who's they had to get Jason Peters out of retirement remember and he wasn't even playing and he's their best offensive lineman gross it's nothing bad about Peters it's just that, that shouldn't be your best offensive lineman the receivers drop some easy passes hit him in the worst spot right in the hands you gotta think that should be caught huh Fields had some mistakes, and he will continue to do so, as will every young quarterback, and quarterbacks in general. Tom Brady couldn't muster up squat against the Saints on Sunday night. Okay, it happens. Justin Fields was put into a terrible situation, which why the argument for Dalton going in was valid to some extent. Does that mean that Dalton should be playing? No, not necessarily, but it was valid to have that conversation. But the people on Twitter who are just laughing, thinking, oh, I told you Fields wasn't going to be great, or, you know, oh, so this quarterback should have, Mac Jones should be drafted in front of Fields. You know how good of a team that Mac Jones inherited? How good of a good. The difference there is astronomical. Bill Belichick, Matt Nagy. We are talking complete opposite ends of the spectrum. We are talking me versus Zach Levine one on one. The Patriots defense. 
versus the Bears defense. That's more like a uh, what's it? That's like a Cameron Payne versus a Zach Levine, because the Bears defense does have their moments overall bad. Offensively, you have Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry, who you don't utilize as much with uh, Jonu Smith, but that's not you know anything bad. You still have him there. Kendrick Bourne. Solid season. Jacoby Myers, solid season. And Keel Harry doesn't even get utilized that much. Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, solid guys. Do not give me Mac Jones should have been picked over Justin Fields. I guarantee you Mac Jones would have been a lot worse in this offense than Justin Fields because Mac Jones is not as mobile. He doesn't improvise as much. He needs time. He needs the right scheming, and that's what he has in New England. Justin Fields will be great. Is it going to happen this year? Nope. Is it going to happen next year? Maybe not. Depends who they hire and what talent they have. But talk to me in year three for Justin Fields. And if he doesn't have it clearly figured out by then, then we can start having discussions on his legitimacy as a starting quarterback and the truth for the Bears. But bear with me. Fields clearly has potential. If he gets the right protection, if he gets the right play call, and if he gets the right receivers. And that's a bunch of ifs. Oh, it's got to be perfect for him to be good. That's not what I'm saying. You saw him have success on that drive in what? The late third quarter, early fourth quarter. He was slinging darts consistently and accurately with the tempo. I'm saying with the right receivers because a lot of the receivers dropped easy passes. A lot of the play calling is designed to set him up for failure. Fourth down. Terrible play call. Needs protection. I mean, try being a quarterback in the first place, and then try being a quarterback where you don't have good plays, and then you are literally getting pummeled every single game, every single play. You're not getting calls your way for roughing the passer, which were so clear, and then you're also dealing with an injury. Give the guy a break. We just don't want to stunt his growth, but do not discredit him. There were some terrible plays from him, but I still have complete faith in the kid, and you should too. So that's my bear with me. Fields will be all right if they get the right pieces in place. NFL Week 16 opening lines. Bears going on the road against the Seahawks. Seahawks open up as a touchdown favorite, seven points. Total opened up 44.5. Now we got to see what happens in this game. Heck, we got to see what happens with the freaking COVID-19 protocols to see who who the hell is even playing in this game? But if you want to take seven with the Bears, you're laying minus 113. If you want to lay seven with the Seahawks, minus 108. Bears plus 240 on the money line. Seahawks minus 305. Total is dipped down to 43 and a half. Could be another opportunity where we take the over. Seahawks defense, not the greatest. We've talked about this game a lot. That if there's a game that I thought the Bears could shockingly win, it would be against the Seahawks. Seahawks are getting a little bit better. We'll see what their health is going to be like. Bears have nothing to lose if they have that mentality. If Nagy passes the game, or he lets Fields pass with that mentality, Bears can absolutely cover this mark against a very volatile and unreliable Seahawks team. I think this line, I mean, you know, barring any craziness with the COVID-19 list, I think the Bears get down to like a six-and-a-half point favorite. Or, not favorite, sorry. Get down to a six-and-a-half point dog. I think taking the points with the Bears would be the right move. Tease down the Seahawks gladly. I mean, go for it. Yeah, they probably win, but I think the Bears have a great chance to cover. I guess I get why the total moved down. I could see the Seahawks actually having offensive struggles and playing down to their competition against the Bears. 
and the Bears offense making the Seahawks defense look good enough because of how bad they are. But that's what it's looking like. More on that game throughout the week. Really quick before we head out, we got to shout out them Chicago Bulls saving Chicago sports once again when the Bears failed to do so. These guys are going out, banged up, Caruso getting injured, not what you want to see at all. And they do beat the lowly Rockets, but a win is still a win, and it was a revenge spot. Not only do they win, they cruise 133-118. to 118. They win, and they cover DeRozan 26 points. We talked about the Caruso prop. Well, you know, he got injured, so that wasn't great. Didn't hit that. Booch, 18 points. Lonzo Ball, 19 points. How about Kobe White, 24 points, baby. And then McKinney was 16. Cook had 11. Bradley had 8. Hey, Bradley, welcome to the game. But good effort from the Bulls. That's what you want to see here. Bulls 19 and 10. Still looking decent despite all the adversity they're dealing with. Next game versus Toronto. And that will be tomorrow. So we'll handicap that game in the next episode a little bit. But got to give the shout out to the Bulls. Saving the psyche, mentality, emotions. I just... Everything of Chicago fans right now, keeping us sane somewhat, right? Maybe the Blackhawks can step up and do it, but now they, they fail to do that a lot, especially when I back them. If I'm ever back in the Blackhawks, be sure to go the other way. I faded them the other night on the road against the Stars. They almost won, but they lost. So we're only fading the Blackhawks from here on out, people. At least I am. But the Bulls are taking all the responsibility, the city's weight on their shoulders. And they are the pride of Chicago right now. Let's hope they continue to be. Okay, guys. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Please, as always, it is appreciated if you like and subscribe and rate the podcast. You'd be really helping me out. Always love you guys listening in, getting feedback at DandyBerg5. And be sure to check out my show, Rush Hour, on VEASAN, Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time on VEASAN, Marquee Sports Network, anywhere you get your podcast, you know the deal. But thanks, as always, for taking some time to hear me rant about these Bears games. I know it's tough, but there are going to be bright days ahead, and I can't wait to celebrate those days with all of you. And it might not even be with the Bears right away. And we got the Bulls. We got baseball around the corner. And who knows? Maybe the Blackhawks step it up. But there will be brighter days ahead. You just got to keep pushing this organization to make the right decisions. But until tomorrow, where we'll get more odds for the Bears and the Seahawks and a Bulls-Raptors preview, take care, enjoy your holiday week, and we'll talk tomorrow. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. 
Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club.